Are you ready to dive into the powerful truth the Kingdom of Heaven has for us? Let's join our host, Ruth Hendrickson, for Real Truth with Ruth as we dive into the Word of God. Hey everyone, welcome. Today we're going to talk about knowing that you're loved by God versus actually being loved by God. And some of you are going, what? You know, just hang in there with me for a couple minutes and we'll dive in. I want to welcome those of you who are listening for the first time. You're joining us for the first time. Welcome. My name is Ruth Hendrickson and I run RHM International. And our whole heart is to train, raise up, equip, set free the body of Christ. So this is just for you that you can continue to grow and really step into who God has created you to be. I want to invite you to visit my website, ruthhendrickson.org, sign up for the email list so that you can be in the know on everything going on. And of course, there's all sorts of resources there that you can just dive into and take a look. Some are free and others you have to purchase, but we have quite a variety on there. So again, welcome. So glad that you joined us. So again, today we're going to talk about knowing that you're loved by God versus actually being loved by him. So this has been a question swirling around in my mind. Is there a difference? Is there a difference between knowing that I'm loved by God or actually actively being loved by God? And so as I look at that, I know my first thing as I began to think of that, I'm thinking, okay, well, wait a minute. Um, Of course, I know that God loves me. That's truth. Okay, that's grounded in the word of God. God loves each one of us with an everlasting love. God loves you with an everlasting love. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that I can do that will drive away that love. It's steadfast. It's a promise. It's a guarantee from the very kingdom of heaven. We find it all throughout scripture, but I'm talking about like this actively knowing, you know, I'll ask people, do you know that God loves them? And many will say yes, even even in the place of absolute despair, in the place of absolute brokenness, and even a lot of um, a lot of people I know who are regular church attenders, they'll say yes, God knows me. But when the rubber meets the road, what we find out is quite often, not all the time, but quite often. It's more of a mental assent or mental agreement rather than this experiential knowledge. And the thing is, when we we need to know, like we need to know what scripture says, we need to know the you know that that God does signs, wonders, and miracles, that you know, Jesus rose from the dead. We we you know everything that's packed into scripture, we need to know that on an intellectual level. Absolutely. But the thing is, is we serve an alive, a risen, a living God. I should hear hallelujah right there. Amen. And because of that, there's also an experiential side that's really important. And one of the things that we see um, is that if we just have the head knowledge, for many, it's just a religion. Okay. It's not a relationship. And we have a living God who calls us into a relationship. If we just have the experience and not the intellectual or the foundational, the biblical knowledge, then what happens is it can open the door to go off into all sorts of funky places because it's not grounded on the word of God. So actually the intellectual and the experiential go hand in hand. When we walk with the living God, the creator of the universe, the one who loves you, the one who loves me with an everlasting love, both of these components go hand in hand. It is the only religion that offers a relationship with a living God, with the resurrected savior. And so when we, when we don't, couple the experience with the intellectual, the head knowledge, we actually lose out 
And, um, you know, it's, I've mentioned before, my father-in-law, wonderful man, he knew scripture, great Bible teacher, but he never experienced the fullness of what the father had to offer. That always grieved my heart is because in his time on earth, he just, he, it wasn't part of his, his paradigm. It wasn't part of what he understood. It wasn't part of his culture and he'd gone to church for years, but it wasn't part of what the church was teaching as far as who our God really is. So is there a difference between knowing that we're loved by God and actively being loved by him? So this whole concept, let's look up the word actively. It says it's a deliberate and positive way. And it's also has energy behind it. It's an energetic or vigorous type of love. So again, what I suspect is many find the love of God more passive. What do I mean by that? In other words, we can say that God loves us, but might not take actions ourselves to pursue, invest in, or experience, actively experience that love or the fullness of that love. Um, And sometimes we turn that same thing towards God. Like, I know God loves me, but it's more of a passive or a distant love, not an active or engaged love. The love of God towards his sons and daughters, towards the bride of Christ, which if you're a follower of Jesus, that's who you are. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are part of the bride of Christ is an active, ongoing, engaging, exciting, fervent love. Okay. It's so much more. And in the English language, we're very limited, of course, because love in English, it's just one word and it can mean many, many things. Whereas other languages have more than one word for love, such as Greek, it has more than one word for love, but we're limited by this. So sometimes it becomes a little bit of a tripping up point for us. So anyways, um, let's keep going with this. We have to be aware that is the wickedness around us increases and or if we don't do not guard who's speaking into our lives what we're listening to what we're watching what we're taking in then the love of god within our hearts can go, go, grow cold so let's use an analogy i um we used to talk i know this is a horrible example but i can't think of anything else at the moment so lots of grace and mercy here if you put a frog in a pot of water and turn up the heat that frog will cook to death without realizing that it's happening because it's it just adjusts, adjusts, adjusts to the temperature until it can't adjust anymore and it just dies. Okay. And so let's reverse that. If we hang around with the wickedness and we allow wickedness to speak into our lives, then what happens is the love of God or the love that we have for the Lord begins to grow cold. And we may not even notice it just as a frog won't notice the water getting hotter we won't notice our love growing colder. You know, Matthew 24, 12 says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. That's out of the New Living Translation. The Berean Study Bible puts it this way, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Do you hear that? Because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That really caught me, that translation, because personally, I feel like we're in a season right now where there is a multiplication of wickedness. Okay, it's like we have wickedness on steroids right now in many places around the world, including here in the United States. And so I really, that that really caught me because of the multiplication of w- wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. So that means 
that we have to be all the more careful in this particular season to tend our hearts and our love for the Lord. It has to be more than knowing that we're loved by God. We have to actively be loved by God and we have to actively love the Lord. We have to be really careful what we're allowing in. In other words, we need that protective hedge around ourselves to keep our focus to where it needs to be. Now, okay, let's go a little deeper. Um, when we talk about the love growing cold, just because you're, you're in church doesn't mean that this cannot happen. So for those who have grown up in a church or for those who have been in a church for years, that love can unintentionally grow cold. And just say that right now, um, my love can unintentionally grow cold. Okay, my love for the Lord can unintentionally grow cold. So, okay, think of how many times, this was another thing that really hit me hard. I, I was thinking of how many times I've been in church. I've been worshiping. I've been listening to a word, listening to a message, thinking about other things. I'm just going through the motions. I'm checking the box. It's not that I don't love the Lord, but I'm not engaging. I'm not active in it. I'm being passive in that moment. Okay, I'm there. How many times have you sung worship songs or hymns without thinking about what you're saying. Okay. I remember teaching, actually, I was doing a course on prayer and, and there was this one older lady, I could still see her in the front row and she'd been in church for years and years and years. And we really wanted to talk about worship and the power of worship. And so what we did is we, um, we, we began to do that. And as we worshiped, we were using one of the hymns because of this group that I had and I began to talk about the meaning of the words. And I began to talk about things like putting your hands up as you worship. And they'd never done that. And I still remember her, the, the whole room was rocked, okay? The, the presence of God just fell. And that room was massively rocked by, by just how God met them in that moment. But I still remember the tears streaming down her face. And she said, all these years I've gone to church and all these years I've sung this hymn, all these years, and I've never, ever, ever, thought about the words. I never thought about being able to lift my hands to the glory of God and worship him. Like it wasn't even in her mindset. It never dawned on her. And what she experienced that day forever changed her. Why? Because there was a difference. There was a, a transition made from just going through the motions to actively engaging, to actively loving on God, to act, actively receiving his love everything changed. So it's really important that we don't unintentionally allow this love that we have for the Lord and how we receive his love to grow cold. You know, in Revelation 2-4, there's actually a warning about this. It's to the church in Ephesus. And there's one complaint that's lodged against them. And that is that they don't love the Lord the way they did at first. So do you love the Lord the way you did at first? Do I love the Lord the way that I did at first? If not, we need to step back and take a look at how the heat got turned down, what entered in that is keeping that pot from, from just boiling and being on fire and passionate for the Lord and why we've become lukewarm or even cold. So with that, let me ask us a question. Do we have a part to play in order for our heart to actively engage with the king? Let me put it another way. How can I minister to God? rather than expecting him to always minister to me? How can I adore him, absolutely adore him, just for who he is, without 
expecting anything in return. I think sometimes that's harder or easier said than done. Also that not expecting anything in return because our culture has become so me-centered, at least here in the United States, we're very inward. We're a very uh, me-centered society. So when we're me-centered, we're just looking for what can I get out of it? But when we're God-centered, we're going, how, you know, it doesn't matter what I get out of it. I'm just going to adore you. I'm going to worship you for who you are. Okay, so first, let's get in the right space. Romans 12, 11 reminds us not to be slow or slothful in zeal, but to be fervent in spirit. So in other words, when we're going before the Lord, when we're worshiping the Lord, when we're adoring him, we can't be lethargic. We can't be low energy. We can't be jaded. We can't be weary in our relationship with God. That word fervently literally means here, this, that word fervently literally means to be on the boil. In other words, I'm passionate, I'm engaged, I'm energetic, and I'm motivated. Okay, so again, two pictures. Okay, one is a pot will boil only if the heat is turned up. If you just sit it there, it's not going to go into a fervent boil. It might get warm, but it's not going to boil. And so if we're told to be fervent, then we're to be on a boil. Literally, it means on a boil. The other picture I see is actually of a of a boiling pot. And, you know, if I leave a pot on the stove and it's boiling, what happens to the liquid? It evaporates everything around. It'll be steamy and this, that, and the other, other thing. In other words, when we're boiling for the Lord, we're going to have an impact. Others around us are going to get wet because of the glory of the Lord, because of the steams that we're pouring off. Okay. And then if I don't pay attention to that pot, what happens? It runs dry. But you see, if I'm walking, if I'm hot, if I'm fervent for the Lord, if that's boiling, then the Holy Spirit is going to be pouring in and filling me up just as fast as it's boiling off, if not faster. So in other words, I'm really going to be impacting not only my own life, but the lives of those around me. So our heart comes into play here. We have to learn to engage our heart for the King. Just say, I must learn to engage my heart for the king. I must learn to engage my heart for the king. So how do we do that? Number one, we have to connect with the fact that our redeemer lives. How do we do that? What does the Bible say about my current situation is a great question. Martin Lloyd Lloyd Jones said, if I ever find myself, even for a fraction of a second, doubting the greatness and the glory and the wonder and the nobility of this walk in which I am engaged, then I'm spitting upon Christ. So what are we doing to keep ourselves boiling? You know, I remember uh, being at a conference years ago and they had this rough cut cross. It was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I, you know, the churches I attended always had these real pretty crosses and whatever. And I remember touching that cross and feeling the roughness. And there were so many things that happened in that moment. Number one, I was fully undone. It was the first time that I really even began to touch upon what Jesus did when he died for me on the cross and his resurrection. At that same time, as I was totally undone, as I was broken, I was enveloped and surrounded by the love of God. And I came to love him at a whole nother level. And God used something, a tangible object, the roughness of that wood to mediate or to speak to me about the depth of his love, about that he is my redeemer. And not only that, but that cross couldn't hold him that my redeemer lives. It forever changed me. It forever changed me. I was so undone. And and through that, God taught me so many lessons. And part of that was also restoration from some of those places that, that had become lethargic. I grew up in the church. I'm a preacher's kid. 
And, um, you know, now I'm a pastor. So, so there's been a lot of history there, you know, but I, like I said, again, I grew up in the church. I was very good at wearing the mask, wearing the face, doing the right thing. I knew all the right things to do. And trust me, I knew all the right things to say, but in that moment, as, as, you know, God really met me in that space and flipped my world upside down. Um, it was also a point where he was restoring things, you know, sometimes the entry point for, for becoming cold or, or, um, you know, becoming, um, oh, what's the word I want? Um, anyways, not being, becoming lukewarm. Okay. Becoming cold, becoming lukewarm, becoming passive. That's what I was looking for. Becoming passive with our worship is because there's been discouragement. Okay. There's been frustration. There's been, we get focusing on our real and perceived losses. Remember some losses that we've experienced are real. Others are perceived and others haven't even happened, but we're walking in fear that they might happen. And when we do that, it actually turns that burner right down. It takes it and it turns down the zeal because when we're doing that, we're not focusing on the Lord as our provider, as our redeemer, as our savior. Um, we're not we're not focusing on him as the one who goes in front of us and the one who is also our rear guard. We're going inward. We're focusing on all the what it could have should have. We're, we're allowing fear and we're worrying about tomorrow. We're, um, we're saying that God's not enough. So we take that pain and we present it to the Lord and we allow him to bring the healing. But again, it's not a place where we can set up a camp. Some people have not just pitched a tent there, but they've actually built a, built a home in the valley of discouragement, where the Lord is saying, we go through that, Psalm 23, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, doesn't say though I camp there, though I live there, it says though I go through. And so it's really important that if we want to be on a boil, if we want to be fervent, if we want to be on a boil for the things of the of the Lord, if we really want to actively be loved by him and actively love him, then we can't camp there. Um, because when we set up a camp there, when we actually build a house there, we are opening a potential door for the demonic. And I, I'll tell you something, they will come running. Why? Because their whole assignment is to keep them away from actively loving the father or actively being loved by the father. So if they can find that open door, man, they're right there. They are right there. Um, so, you know, remember, we take those burdens, we take the fears, we take the frustrations to the Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight issues an invitation to come to me or come to Jesus, all those who are heavy laden, and he gives rest. So in other words, when we don't feel that strong, when we feel like we're, we're beginning to, that heat's getting turned down rather than turned up, we go away with him and allow him to bring that cold heart back to life. But it takes us entering in because we have to remember that our God reigns. Just say that right now, my God reigns. So if we want to actively and lovingly engage with our king, there's some steps we can take, okay? We can thank God for who he is, okay? And I don't just mean, oh, thank you, Lord, that you're good. I mean, decree and declare and shout it from the rooftops. Give yourself a lecture if you need to. Look in the mirror and and thank God for who he says that he, you, know, you are created with plans and purposes and a destiny and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Begin to thank him for all that. We begin to thank God for who he is. He is our savior. He's our redeemer. He's our king. He's our deliverer. Okay, and just keep declaring and decreeing. This is very active. It's not sitting there quietly. Again, we um, de declaration, I want you to hear this. Declaration is a place where any of the 
portion of the orphan spirit can be starved right out of our lives. You know, an orphan cannot connect to the father's heart of God. They're always going to stay back. But God has called the sons and daughters, not orphans. He's called us sons and daughters. So we're brought fully into the family with full connection, with full unity, with the fullness of the ability to love the father and to be loved by the, by the father. So when we go and we just decree and declare, not only the demonic flee, because when we worship, when we decree and declare the demonic can't stand that, they're going to be gone. But also if there's an orphan spirit that's trying to sit on us, that's trying to reside on us, a mindset that doesn't align with who we are in the Lord or who he is for us, that's going to begin to shift. It's going to begin to change. You're going to feel that shaking because there's such power in the decrees that are based on the word of God and who he is. Um, Note through all this, we didn't ask for anything. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, Lord, I need you to do this. It was, no, I'm going to decree who you have said I am. I'm going to decree and declare who you are. I'm going to align, radically align with the word of God, and I'm going to just worship and adore. You know, worship is actually all about who God is. Okay, so I'm going to worship you for who you are, period. That's it. I'm going to worship you with no other agenda. So that's all we do. We come into that place, and we can actively participate in the love of God. You know, just to wrap this up, head knowledge of the love of God is good. It is. It's good actively loving God, actively being loved by God is even better. So we don't want to settle for just the head knowledge and the intellectual wisdom when there's more that goes so much past that, so much beyond that, that will impact our lives and the lives of those around us in ways that we could never, ever imagine. So again, thank you for joining me today. I just want to bless you to go out and decree and declare who God is to really take and turn up the heat, just turn up the heat, just turn up, even draw it out and turn up that dial and begin to boil, be fervent for who God is, actively, actively go after him, engage in that love. It is so much more. It's so much more. And again, as the wickedness in the world is on the rise, The love of many will grow cold, okay? Make sure you're not on the will grow cold side. We're going to combat that, that we have every tool and resource in the kingdom of heaven to turn up that heat in our lives and the lives of those around us so that we don't allow that lukewarmness going into cold. We don't allow that to come in. We're going to bubble. We're going to boil. We're going to send off steam for the kingdom of heaven, because that's what we were created to do. That's what you are created to do. So boil fervently for the kingdom of heaven. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to comment, like, review, and share it with others to help us reach more people. We also invite you to like and follow Ruth Hendrickson Ministries on Facebook or subscribe to the YouTube channel. We welcome your prayers and financial partnership to make this podcast possible. If you would like to financially support this ministry, please visit our website, ruthhendrickson.org.